That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the Batman and DC podcast with no limits. We have a very special episode today, so hold on to your wigs and keys as we take a quick look at this week's roundtable. We've got Grandpa Batman in Texas. Hey, hey. Bat Force Tom's in New York. Bat Force Tom in California. And I'm Robin Cross in Canada. Okay, quick background here. When I was around eight years old, I got my very first comic book. It was Batman number 423, and I read that thing until the pages were falling out and the cover was barely hanging on. But even more than I remembered that Jim Starlin and Dave Cockrum story inside, I remembered that cover. You know the one I'm talking about. It's Batman standing in front of a massive moon with his even more massive cape enveloping himself and the woman that he's cradling. That cover would go on to become what I thought of any time I thought about comics. It would be years later that I learned that this cover was the work of the same man who created characters like Spawn and Venom while being regarded as one of the best Spider-Man artists of all time, in addition to building companies like The Giant, that is McFarlane Toys, and Image Comics, helping lead a revolution of creator-owned comics that is now bigger than ever. You may know him as an author, an artist, an entrepreneur, or as the Todd father himself, but tonight we will call this week's guest simply Todd McFarlane. Thank you so much, Todd. The, the simple intro is jack of all trade, master of none, and then you're out. <laughs> uh, I think you're pretty masterful at some of them, so we could argue that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but how are you doing, Todd? How's life? Good. I wish I was in uh, Canada, California, Texas. Uh, you guys are all in the cool places right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty nice weather uh, we're having here today. What's it like over there? You're in Arizona, yes? I mean, I'm in the Phoenix area, so it's that time of year where everybody sort of floods our city because we have spring training, and we have over 50% of the teams that basically do the spring training here. So uh, it's a pretty nice time to be here if you're, especially for you're coming up from the north, right, and especially northeast, where it can get a little bit harsh. This is the perfect time to come down here. It's why our city's so big. We're the uh, Phoenix area now is the is the fifth largest in the country right now. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. And uh, did did the baseball presence uh, have anything to do with your location there? Because I know you had a past. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big sports nut. Went to school playing baseball. Got my college play, played uh, paid for for playing baseball. But no, I I, I was just uh, I, you know I'm Canadian. I, I was born in Canada, right? So uh, we were living up on Vancouver Island, uh, which is not Vancouver. It's on the island, um, and you know, I was starting to do a little bit more work in uh, Hollywood. So it was it was just it, there was no convenient way to get from the island down to L.A. and then back in any normal time. Uh, we we uh, we were having our first child. So we just I, I needed to start migrating a little bit closer to L.A. So we made a pit stop in Portland, which is now where uh, Image Comics 
exist. And uh, and then eventually we looked down in, in, in sort of the Santa Barbara area, you know, because it's a little bit, a little bit crazy in L.A., but ended up in Phoenix. We've got uh, the maid of honor at our wedding. Uh, it lives in Phoenix, and we, we had been here off and on and just thought, hey, it's a 55-minute flight into L.A. You know, that was pre-9-11, so I go, we live five minutes from the airport, so it was easy. Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty convenient place for us to live right now. Hmm. Perfect. So uh, kind of the biggest thing that everyone is talking about, the biggest thing happening in collectibles right now, is that McFarland Toys finally taking on the DC Universe. Uh, how long was this something that uh, you wanted to make happen, and how did this finally come about? Oh, what are you t- probably day three when I started my toy company. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> there were, okay, to me, there were always, I keep saying it, and it was true that that there were like three brands, uh, uh, DC, Marvel, and Star Wars. And every year when I walked around at Toy Fair, or even to some extent when you walked around at, uh, at you know, New York Comic Con or San Diego Comic Con, it seemed like everybody else on the planet had a piece of these you know, three big, huge properties, except for me. I was like, I was like the orphan in the corner. Uh, and so, I mean, I, I didn't know that they could slice it up in so many different ways. And I, I, I just kept going, ah, and I, I used to have this joke where I, I said that I think every master toy license should have like one, one little sort of addendum that says, yes, company X, you get the, the sum total of the master toy license, comma, but McFarland gets to make one figure, right? And then I then I get my I get my one Spidey and I get my one Star Wars and I get mm. my one Batman or something. But uh, but you know it took twenty years. I mean we're twenty five years almost into the toy business here plus, uh, and and we just you know patience eventually right a patience eventually gets you gets you old too. After 25 years, but we 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 got we snagged one of the three big ones. So, mm. have you always been a collector, or was this something that just kind of spawned off of the, uh, you know, creation of yeah, your I, comics? I, I'm, I'm going to guess that I'm not much different than everybody else uh, on on the show right here. That when you know you're sort of you're sort of born a geek pretty early, right? It it sort of gets into your DNA, and and in hindsight, you probably go it was there as soon as i came out of the womb right you, you know just because if it wasn't baseball cards it was comic books it wasn't comic books it was some other goofy thing you were collecting magazines or what i don't know i mean we all we all had our stash of something that mom would say why are you keeping all that stuff right so <laughs> you know what what my wife affectionately calls today my crap right <laughs> uh that she and she she hopes which is a weird hope that she dies before me, so she doesn't have to sell all my crap, right? Because <laughs> so, uh, I because I have a lot of it, uh, but and it's all it's all different kinds of forms. But I don't know. I it's I, it's a it's a I think it's fun. It keeps you sort of engaged in things. I'm I'm always asking my wife that like what's what's what 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 do, like ladies don't seem to quite as much as men want to hoard stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and then you know that's not true. Shoes. Well, yeah, well, that's it. But but I you know remember I bought this ball years ago, paid way too much money, and 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 the question I asked is like, well, what would be the equivalent for like somebody setting a record uh, for female buying something? Like, what would they pay? <laughs> 
what would they pay millions of dollars for? And the answer was, they all looked at me. I had a round round table lady, and they were like, nothing. Shit, we're not that dumb. We wouldn't spend a million bucks like on anything. But it, you know, we we sit there and go, oh my gosh, I've got, and I and I almost bought it one time. The the wooden false teeth of Ty Cobb, who played for the, <laughs> right? And it's just so cool to be able to say you have Ty Cobb's false teeth, right? Now, now, my wife would go, I would never think about it nor care about that. But what she doesn't understand, and you guys will completely get this, if you had Ty Cobb's false teeth <laughs> and you had it under like this little cheese thing, you know, made out of glass, and you had it on a pedestal in right by your front door, so no matter who came through the front door, whether it was the mailman or a friend, everybody would ask, what is that? And you'd have a story. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so some of these things are just so that you can start to tell a story about something. And our and our collection is just about something. I, I keep saying to people that when I was younger, they used to say, "You can tell a lot about people uh, by going through their garbage, like what it is that comes through their house." Mm. I I think that the modern version of that is, you can tell a lot about people just look at their cubicles at work, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. you can see. You know what kind of hats they wear, what kind of shirts they wear, what's, what they have up on their shelves, and and all of a sudden, to me, I, you know, it's it it's you walk by somebody's cubicle that you've been working with for two years, you see that they've got a walking dead item, and then you're having a conversation with them, going, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know you were walking dead fan. Oh my god, hey, did you see the episode last Tuesday?" And you have a conversation, and sometimes you you strike up friendships. So yeah. nothing wrong with any of that. You you yeah. could ask them. Oh my God, did you buy the McFarlane Walking Dead uh, toy line yet, or what? <laughs> well, I don't even. I, again, it's interesting because I don't even think it needs to go that deep. I think it can just be that, like collecting toys and all that other stuff. Comic books is the equivalent of having logos on your hat and on your on your shirt, right? Mm -hmm. You're just basically saying, "I'm a fan of this" by having it. It doesn't mean. Because you're 35 and you have a toy that you're you have you're mentally arrested. It just it's the equivalent of a logo on your chest. That's all it is. It just happens mm -hmm. to be in a plastic form. That's true. Speaking of merch in plastic form, uh, the Spawn Mortal Kombat figure is one of the most uh, heavily anticipated action figures of the year coming up. A, a parallel to your DC line, DC Direct Black and White statue was one of also one of the most highly anticipated collectibles coming up as well. But the big news, especially surrounding this week for Final Combat, was the uh, Spawn reveal trailer and how insanely comic book accurate and attention to detail everything was between Malibolgia and the guns and the different skins. What are your? How do you think that came? Looked so far, and how involved were you in the process with NetherRealm to for them to get Spawn right? Because it's like to a T with Ed Boon. Yeah, it's a, it's a, actually that's an interesting. Uh... Uh, collaboration because the way I treated them the way that I always would want to be treated in reverse right and so what that is, is is that I have to assume and I have to give credit that they're the experts in their field right right they're not asking me to do a, a spawn comic book which I at that point I'd be a little more assertive they're not asking for me to do toys or anything else they're 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 video game guys, and I'm not right. I mean, I've, I've obviously I've I've done some art directing on a couple of them, but not it's not my full time occupation. And so they're the experts, and all I want from them 
is that expertise. So the, the conversations that we had, and I'm sure if you went and talked to him, they would probably say, he might be the easiest guy we ever dealt with. Like, it's, it's almost bizarre how easy Todd is, maybe. Uh, that I, that I, because I could see very early in what they were talking about and what they were giving back to me, that they had at least a couple people there that were super spawn geeks, right? Yeah. So, mm. so they knew the character, so it wasn't like I, I didn't have to download them and, and, and sort of teach them who the character was. So they had a couple geeks that were there. And, and, it, and it was to the point where, like I've said before, that I thought that they were almost being too nice about being loyal to the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and because I, 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 I've always said to the people I employ, like you, you, just, you never let a tail wag a dog. Right. And so when, when, for instance, you know, when I was writing the spawn, uh, script, uh, that's floating out there right now, I wasn't thinking about making toys or comic books when I was writing it. I was thinking about film goers. It's a film and people going are going for a film experience and probably 95% of them may not even like know who Spawn was and or who I, who I am. I, so I have to deliver a good movie, period. I think the same with the Mortal Kombat uh, people. That they, To me, what I wanted them to do, what I, what I tasked them to do was pretend nobody knows what Spawn is or who Spawn is or anything about me, right? And that isn't that big of a stretch because it should be the majority of the people playing your game. Make this character the coolest character in Mortal Kombat. That, and if you can make him cool so that somebody who knows nothing about him until the DLC comes down, you know, other than maybe if they want to do a quick Google search, says, I don't know anything about this prawn guy or this spam guy, whatever his name is. <laughs> um, but, man, I just saw what he can do, and I played him a couple times. And the way he looks and the way he plays, that dude's badass. I'm going to play. He's going to be my new favorite. If you can get a person to do that, you, you will have done your job for me. And I don't care mm. if to get there, you have to do things that are not consistent in the comic book or TV show or movie or any of that stuff. Like, don't do that. Make the best Mortal Kombat spawn character you can. And, and if you do that, it's going to be a victory, I think. So. It's awesome. Speaking of, uh, you, you, you mentioned you know, spawn being seen in kind of a cinematic role. There's a lot of talk about and your ideas for the new Spawn movie. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because we're all really hopefully hoping that this comes true and this comes out soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, dude, you, you and me. So. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I can't you know, wait. It's yeah. It's it can it can be a little frustrating because it, it that industry moves fairly slow at times, uh, and and sadly, I know that. You know, people go, ah, Todd, you've been talking about it for a couple of years now, even after I got Jason Blum attached. And he was the first one that came on board from Blumhouse. Um, And they just came out with their movie, Invisible Man, the other day. Uh, You know, and and just when you think you're about to lose all your patience, then I read an article about somebody else who had a movie in development for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I go, oh, my God, it's only been a couple, three years. I'm on the fast track. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, but you, you know, we, we went out there and, and Jason, uh, came on board, uh, to help produce. And then quickly, you know, you guys have read that we got, uh, Jamie Foxx on board. Um, we, we got Jeremy Renner, 
Um, and it was interesting because somebody phoned me yesterday and said, hey, a couple of websites are saying that you're losing Jamie. And I'm like, what? So uh, it was because I was trying to grab a third Academy Award uh, or Academy nominated uh, talent. And, and that one didn't work. That was in addition to Jamie and uh, Jeremy Renner. Uh, and somebody misconstrued what I said, that I said, hey, I lost, I lost this guy. Uh, and it's too bad. And, and because they heard Academy Award, uh, in which uh, Jamie Foxx won, somebody misinterpreted it. It was like, no, 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 no. It was in addition because, you know, I, I even got a message last night from Jamie, who basically every message is saying, Todd, when are we going? Come so on. you are confirming on Bat Force Radio that Jamie Foxx is in. He's still in. Still. Yes. Yeah. Like, what do you talk about? Like, like, uh, yeah, he's like, Todd, let's go. Let's go. Let's That's go. Awesome. He, may be, he may be more, he may be more impatient than I am. And what? Yeah. So, cool. so I, there's only, there's, yeah, there's a couple of things I know. Jamie will be there and Todd will be there. Who awesome. knows awesome. every other thing, but we're going to, we'll be there for sure. Um, there, so, but, but what ends up happening now is that I, even after I got that, you know, there's still a penance for, the studios who still want to do a PG-13 superhero because those are making billions of dollars, right? I mean, Aquaman and, and Venom that are, you know, not the most perfect movies are still making a billion. And if you do, you know, something with a handful of characters, you can get, you can get records like the Avengers. Um, so, so I understand, I understand all that, but we weren't going to have a, a big enough budget. Uh, and I, nor did I want a big enough budget because then I wouldn't be able to assert myself as the director. Right. So, the only way I can put myself in a, as the director is if I keep the budget reasonable. Uh, and then that way they're not risking a lot of money for a first time mm -hmm. director. Um, so, uh, but you know, again, if I had written a stellar script, then they, they, somebody would have said yes by now. So obviously mm -hmm. something wrong with my script. So I'm taking the notes they've got meeting some other people. And although I lost, uh, a big writer uh, the other day. We just we just got confirmation. That I got to go meet another writer that would be that would be a like like the first guy would have been a home run. This guy would be a grand slam. But uh, if if we'll see. You know, I, I, I'm I'm always I'm old enough now to know that until somebody says yes, it's a no, right? And so I don't I don't really sort of get too worked up. Because just too many factors and people's schedules and all those other things uh, that are there. But uh, at least we're talking to award-winning talent after award-winning talent after award-winning talent. I will be, I will be the weak link when we when we finally. <laughs> no, it's true. I'll, when I put this this team together, but I'm smart enough to know that I'm the weak link. So all I'm going to do is surround myself with pros, right? That's so. That's the mark uh, of a genius, though, right? You know, let the talent do the, the talented yeah. stuff, and you just administrate. Right. Actually, I'm, I mean, again, and, and that's part of, you know, being around for 35 years. One of the things that I, I've understood now is that I'm only as good as the people around me, right? So uh, when it was just me in a room doing my comic books by myself, it was, it was all on my shoulders. But when you're doing collaborative stuff, whether it's, you know, TV or movies or, you know, music videos or, or uh, toys or something like that. You need a, you need a collective whole of people and you need a lot of moving parts. So, uh, but anyways, we're, you know, the, the, the big piece of it all is that with the Joker being R rated and serious and dark 
and making a billion dollars and setting a record that that there's way more hunger for that type of material. Uh, so the, the, the conversations I've been having in the last few months have been way dramatically different than they were in the previous year and a half. Uh, everybody sort of pre-Joker, the sort of pre-Joker conversations and post-Joker conversations now. So. Um, one of the interviews that you did where you were discussing, um, you know, the, the movie was with Collider and it's what I have sent this video to so many people because I love the way you first wanted to kind of describe what you were trying to do in that, um, you were saying with the spawn movie, what I want to do is in every movie that you've loved, there's been one fantastic element in a real world setting. So if you take that fantastic element out, it's still a real world. Yep. And uh, the guy from Collider was saying, oh, that's the Kevin Feige Marvel formula. And you said, no, 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 because then you got to take away the, 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 the superhero jets and the superhero weapons and the superhero headquarters and the superhero villains and the superhero villains headquarters and the superhero <laughs> villains car. Like, what are you talking about? That's like oh, yeah. pretty... <laughs> Come on, somebody. No, no, no. What I'm talking about is traditionally you've seen it over and over and over in in horror, what we call horror movies. Right. So, right. you know, every horror movie you can think of, if you take the boogeyman out, uh, then it's just it's just a normal movie. It's a drama at that point. Right. right I mean, right. other than Mike Myers, what's Halloween? Right. I mean, there's, there's nothing else other than Mike Myers. That's that's sort of fantastic in that movie. There's nothing sort of out of the ordinary, out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre or, or you know, Megan, the little girl in Exorcist or, who's head spinning. And I've said before, it goes all the way back to when I was a kid and I saw the black and white Frankenstein. You take Frankenstein out of his movie, uh, Igor, Igor is bent over, still human. And this, the scientist, although insane and, and a little bit mad, uh, is still a human. Everybody in that movie is still human, right? So you, you, can, you can do these movies and just put the one element into it. John Carpenter's The Thing only had the one, the one little creature running around in it. Uh, uh, you know, the first Alien movie only had the one. Uh, and, and then, you know, you start adding on it if you get sequels. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of sort of the single, the single version of it. It was really refreshing to hear you say that because we are totally in this like world now where these comic book movies, it's almost as if you don't put, if you don't make a roster of 12 heroes or have 12 different, you know, villains coming out of the same movie, people aren't going to want to get excited for it. But it's really refreshing to know that you're still very much wanting to make something that is grounded like that. Is there anything that's come out like maybe in the last like five years as far as a film um, that kind of touches what you're talking about for you, that you feel like that's that's what I'm talking about. That's the one. Um, the, uh, look, to me, creepy's creepy. I don't I, like. There's there's lots of films I can go into, right? Once I get past the creepy part of it, then to me, it's it's the look of the movie, and does it feel does it feel like a real place, right? So uh, I would argue that. You know, probably the last movie that I saw that I went, hey, there's my world right there, uh, is, is a movie called uh, Uncut Gems that came out with Adam Sandler. Oh, right? yeah. And that movie is just gritty and ugly, and it's not, it's not, it's not going to put a smile on your face. And it's sort of the underbelly of humanity a little bit. That, that, that spawns world, 
right? Uh, and, and every one of those scenes you walk into, uh, to me, I feel like I've, I've been in a place like that sometime in my life. Uh, so to me, those are the cool movies that I, I just say, okay, now what if you take those, those, that kind of a movie, like Uncut Gems, and then you put a boogeyman into it? What, what, like, what, what's that movie then look like and feel like? Because everything else is, people are reacting to it, and a and and they're acting like humans, right? I mean, if you if you go back to John Carpenter's The Thing, which is a movie other than a couple scenes, still holds up today because it's really a movie built on paranoia. Uh, that that you know they they weren't jumping to the conclusion of that maybe it's superheroes or supervillains or it's even an alien. They were just like something's going wrong here, right? They were just reacting like you and I would react, which is wow. I mean, I, I get we watch TV and there's lots of funny things on TV. That doesn't mean it happens in real life. And so, you know, to me, I, I'm, I'm not a fan when all of a sudden the humans make a jump to, to the fantasy too quickly. So I'll give you an example. If, if you see a ghost, right, then all of a sudden somebody starts saying, why are you here? What are you doing? What do you want? I don't know. If I saw a ghost, I think you guys saw a ghost. <laughs> Our first reaction would be, I got to get some fucking sleep, right? <laughs> I, my, I'm looking at my dead grandma and I just, I, 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 I something ha- like, I don't trust my instincts. I like, it's me. I'm not going to then go, oh yeah, after 50 years of living on this planet with no ghosts, I'm going to go, oh, there are now ghosts because there's one standing in front of me. So to me, I, I keep trying to come back to like grounding it in those kinds of ways of how real people would act even if there was a boogeyman, right? That it's like you still would have like non-boogeyman thoughts for the rest of the movie because this is the first boogeyman you've ever encountered. So. Right. Okay. Amazing. I have a question. Uh, and I love to just, can I add one more thing? Yeah, sure. uh, that, that the studios want to do those other formulas, those are very successful, right? I mean, again... You know, we, we, we have to we have to sort of appreciate, you know, that these companies are tasked with making money uh, and as and as entertaining a way as possible. So they see that when they do put a bunch of characters together on the screen with lots of effects with PG-13, they get pretty good results. Right. So I, I like it. It's, it's you know, it's it's. I, I I have to convince them more than they need to convince me because their data says Todd, this formula works, right? Why do you want to? Why do you want to do a different formula? And this is why I'm not big enough, nor do I have enough power to convince them. Which is why we need stuff like the Joker, because that's mm-hmm. their data. That it's like, oh, because you can make a billion if you basically don't worry about the formula all the time. Right. And I keep telling them that that you know you have to assume that at least half the people. They went to go see that $3 billion Avengers movie were over the age of 16, 17. So they can go to R-rated movies. So you can still, I think, I've been saying, I still think you can get a billion dollars. And Joker proved that you can get adults to the tune of a billion dollars. So I'm not saying one will ever get there. But if you take a fraction of it, right? I mean, at the budget, let me, here's my sales, here's my sales pitch to him. Just, just so that you know when I go into them, besides the creative. I go look at with the budget we're doing and with with the, with the advertising, you, we probably got to make globally about 110 million dollars. That's 55 million here domestically and 55 million uh, uh, internationally. Right. So 
what I'm saying is, if you look at all the money that Aquaman made, do you think you can do 8% of Aquaman? And if you think you can do 8% of Aquaman, or conversely, fail at 92% of the rate of Aquaman, you're, we're all going to make money, right? So do you have the confidence that you can fail at 92%? And if we only fail at 91%, woo, then the money starts to flow, right? Like, come on. Like, that's, that, that to me, like, that's, that's the bet. That's the bet. Uh, and so eventually I'll, I'll get somebody. I'll, I'm just, I'm too tenacious to, to, to not get this done. But but what you're talking about about reaching for that R-rated market, like yeah. we have the Avengers movies, we, like we have all those. We have about eight of those a year coming out already. So uh, there's a lot more room in that R-rated market for someone like, oh yeah, I I haven't had one of these in a year. Yeah. This is what I want to go see. I, I agree. I agree completely. I I just call it my movie buffet, right? That it's like you don't have to have the same five items at your buffet. You can start to add other stuff. I'm not saying everybody's gonna gonna like consume R-rated superhero stuff at the same rate they're gonna do the PG-13. That's that's your cheeseburger and fries and pizza. Like everybody's gonna consume that. But I think that there are other food items. In this case, Spawn, uh, Joker. You know those kinds of items that people will at least some people, not everybody at the buffet line, but some people will go. Hey, I'm gonna sample this. Right. I need a little bit of dessert to wash down that cheeseburger and fries. Right. I mean, it's OK. So it's, but if you keep your if you keep your cost down, I'm not you know, those big movies are costing 200 million. I'm asking for 20. So if you you're asking for one tenth, then you only have to succeed at one tenth the number. Right. So and and everybody's happy. Right. So you, I, and I see it all the time that they they have lots of movies come out that make. Mm, I don't know, a half to a third of the production uh, is their opening is a half to a third of the production. And, and, and I'm just foolish enough to think that we're, we're going to make a minimum of 100% of the production uh, domestically on opening weekend. And it could go as high as double, double, have, uh, uh, double. Have, that. have you Easily. given any options to like maybe go into like a subscription provider like a netflix or hulu or something with this yeah yeah, yeah we've we've I, like i've had conversations with different people I haven't got quite super serious with netflix and saying hey let's 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 do it or or any of the streamers per se because there's still something there's still something about having a movie experience in a theater there's right. still there's i think there's a value yeah. to and then we can yeah. always then bring it down into tv sort of after that and do episodic. Cause I've had a couple of people ask me, Hey Todd, do you want to, why, why don't we just make it a TV show? Uh, and, and I think there's room for that. I just, I don't think it has to come at the expense of the movie. Plus, I don't know if we did the, and I'm going to be a little selfish. I don't know if we did the, the streaming deal that they would allow me to direct those. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. it's sort of, it becomes a different model. Uh, and, and so part of the, the thing that's happening here is I could have sold Spawn and his rights 20 years ago, you know, probably two dozen times over. And especially once the comic books movie started taking off. But but I, I wanted to wait till I was in a position where I could say, hey, as part of the deal, I have to direct it. Right. So right now, you know, I'm having a conversation with people. You know, there's I, I 
there's only two non-negotiables. A, it's a it's it's an R-rated movie, and B, I direct it, and everything else we can we can discuss, right? So the the story, I'm even willing to take my story and either keep five percent of it, keep ninety-five percent, or throw the whole thing out. Is you know if if we replace it with another badass story, right? The goal the goal should only be this. What's the what's the what's the best goddamn R-rated movie we can make of Spawn? That should be the goal. Period. Done. Fuck yeah. And, and the period. conversation. Yeah. And I well, hope that comes true. Yes. Fans are hungry for it, and fans yeah. are going to show up because it's uh you know you you played it smart this this long. You've kept it creator owned. You've kept it true to what you want your vision, and uh, knowing that you're involved in it, fans are going to come out. They're going to support it for sure. So we're willing to wait as long as it takes, as long as you. Yeah. Are able to have it in your in your vision in your hands. Well, I I, I hope we don't. You know, I hope. I mean, I mean, it's 2020, and the Joker's out, and this the window's open here, and I I, I have to be able to push it through the window this year. So, uh, we'll we'll see. I've got a big. I got a, I got a meeting with a big big talent next week, and you know who knows if that one goes the way that I want. Although I, you know, one of one of the big fishes got off my hook uh, two weeks ago. Mm. Um, but you know, if you, to me, if I can get one, that one more fish, that there's money behind each one of them that will, I think, sort of will be the last piece that they'll go, oh my gosh, I can back that because you've got that person, that person, that person, that person. Oh yeah, and Todd. Uh, and then I'm just <laughs> going to continue to go and get award-winning directors of photography and editors and people who do music. I'm just going to surround myself with with these all stars. And and they're gonna make they're gonna make me look good. Look at if you look at the movie. I don't know if you guys saw. It, if you look at the movie uh, A Star Is Born, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Bradley Cooper directed that movie, right? Now it, it, it's hard for anybody. It's hard for me to imagine anybody looking at that movie saying, "Oh yeah, I could tell that was a first time director," right? And the reason why that movie looked so good and came off so good, besides the huge fact that that Bradley's also an actor, so he knows what he wants is that he he went and got these these great people around him especially his his cinematographer who was on my list i'm going of course you got one of those guys and 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 those guys will just make you look like magic all you have to do is have the vision and the team the team will make you look magical and then make you look like a vet right out of the gate so i i don't i don't have any i don't have any fear that we won't get a good team and or that they're not going to be able to get into my head after I tell them what I want and show them what I want and be able to show them clips of what I want or stills of what I want. And they'll go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy talk. I can do this with my hand behind my back. Mm, and uh, Todd, before we let you go, um, we have to ask for all the fans asking too, uh, going back to comic books for a second, what would be the likelihood of possibly getting another Batman spawn crossover in the future? And what would it take? And do you have interest in that? Yeah, uh, you know, well, well, the the answer is yes, ish. Um, the, I'm I'm a, I'm just an image guy, right? I, I just so you guys know, like when we started Image in 1992, I'm 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 the only one of the original partners that has never done a page for Marvel or DC since, right? I just I'm I just became militant, and I went, no, this is this is my new home. We're gonna do the best we can and we're going to do it. And then, you know, besides that mentality, I'm also the president of image comics. Right. So, so if I, 
in my brain, if I did a page for Marvel or DC, I'm it's sort of weird. It's like a conflict of interest. Why am I, why am I sort of the head of Ford Motor Companies and working for Dodge at night, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've had conversation with both Marvel and DC and, and just have sort of mentioned in passing, you know, something that goes like this. Look, at, I don't know if I'll ever do another crossover, uh, but the only way I'm ever going to do any pages for you, Marvel or DC, is if Spawn comes along for the ride. So it would have to be Spawn and Batman. It would have to be Spawn and Spidey, which is the home run. I mean, if I went back to Marvel, that would be the home run uh, that you go you because again, and then you know the bad guys Venom. Uh, mm-hmm. You put the clown. Oh. So I can I can do I can I I can I can sort of wrap it all up or something. And it would be it would be a big one. I'd write I'd write and pencil and ink it, and you know it would just I'd put those two characters together in a big way. Uh, and every now and then when I'm, I'm talking to sort of the head people at, at Marvel, we, we, you know, we sort of jokingly go, Hey Todd, you know, are you ready for it? And, the, and so, uh, maybe I, I may, I keep telling them I may go to my grave and never do it. But if I do that, that would be what I pull the trigger on something like that. Would I come back and do a cover for one of your books? No. Right. Would I do two pages? No. Would I do? No, no, no. Right. It, it, it it would have to be something meaningful that includes uh, uh, an image character that that I have something to do with. And in this day with, and with age, how, well, go ahead, Robin. I, I was just going to say, with how big he is right now, uh, would you, if you did a DC thing, how cool could that be if we saw Spawn versus the Batman Who Laughs? Oh, that'd be super cool, right? I mean, what are you talking about? There's lots of stuff out there. Because what you're doing is you're you just put, you just put, you went, oh my God, we got one dark character, another dark character, and it would just get crazy insane, right? What would that look like? Yeah. So, so to me, those are the books that would be fun. Those, those would be the books that would be fun to, you know, both uh, from a creative point of view to draw. Uh, and then on the other side, if I was a fan, I'd, I'd be, I'd be wanting that too. I can't say obviously Spider-Man is a dark character, but I made my mark on that character. So you know, I don't know if you guys saw, I, I, I just posted on Instagram last week or whatever, this image of Spawn and Spidey. And it was the first time. Yeah, the first I, time. Yeah, I, I, it's weird that I, I mean, I've done the odd Spider-Man drawn since I left Marvel. And obviously I've done tons of Spawn. But, you know, you know, you, you know all of a sudden it clicked. I went, wow, I never, I've not, actually never put these two on the same piece of paper. Um, and it was because I was doing a, a favor for Steve Jeppy, who, you know, runs uh, Diamond Comics uh, uh, distributors and, and said, come on, hey, Todd, let, you know, let's let's get it. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story, though, if you got time. Sure, um, I, I, I had to do the the rough of it because he went, Todd, you got to do a rough of that cover. So we got to get it approved by Marvel. And, you know, again, I'm a little sort of self-assured that I go, uh, I'm sure they'll approve my Spider-Man rough sketch. But OK, I, I guess here we go. We'll do it. And if, I don't know if you guys saw it. It was the idea was simply that, you know, you take that classic gargoyle at the top of a building, spawns on top, might not know that Spidey's underneath, and Spidey's hanging up underneath, might not know that spawns up top, right? It was just a little bit of a goofy image. Um, so I gave it, and then the head uh, of, Mar- of Marvel, uh, Dan Buckley, uh, had to approve it. And Dan phones me up because, you know, again, you know, we're always just sort of checking in on the Spidey spawn someday. Uh and said, "Hey, Todd, I I approved 
I, I approved the, the, the rough sketch. And he goes, and you know, he goes, I thought it was kind of cute on your part. And I know you don't really sort of like us too much, but he goes, I, and then I know you just put Spider-Man's feet in it. And I just, I could see it with Spidey's feet and it was a little bit of webbing. And so I still, I'm going to approve it, even though it's 95% spawn and only 3% Spidey. <laughs> and, and, and I went, I went, what, what are you talking about? And he went, yeah, yeah. And I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. So whoever I sent it to you, sent you a cropped image of that, my rough. I go, Dan, no, there's a hundred percent of spawn and there's a hundred percent of Spidey in it. Right. I go, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do them both. And he's like, Oh, I just saw his feet. Right. But, but the reason I tell you the story, is because <laughs> he, he signed that off. <laughs> he was actually going to say, okay, you can only put like 4% of Spidey in it. And that's your team up shot. Uh, <laughs> you know, you don't. And, and so this is, this is sort of how much, you know, some of the people on the other side would go, come on, let's, we should, we should, we should be doing that. Even when I did, if I had done that, that would be a complete slight that even with a slight, they're still going, yeah, we'll approve it anyways. Right. <laughs> so, so he was in California and I went, uh, look at your phone. I'm going to text you the original and I'll text you the color here 10 minutes after that. So uh. he's like, Oh my gosh, that's really good. You did the whole thing. So, uh, I go, okay. So, so at some point I may, he may, he scored a couple of brownie points <laughs> that he's, that he was willing to concede that because he still wants to do this spawn spidey with us. Oh, yeah. anyway. Hey, can you confirm, uh, that you inked some of the pages on dark Knight returns? And if so, which oh, yeah. ones? Yeah, it was, I believe it was the, it's weird. Cause I, 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 if I saw them, I'd know which ones they were. I believe it was in the second issue, the second issue. Uh, there was a scene. I know what the scene was. It was the pages where there was like a bunch of mafia guys and they're in a, like an old like deli store. And, uh -huh. and Bruce Wayne is dressed up as an old fat lady. And he's got like these prosthetics. Yes. He's, like he's got a lisp and he's going seven lemon got this for $2 cheaper or something. Yeah. I remember. And even the seven lemon, it was with a B uh, yes. on it. Uh, but like there's that scene and then some other pages where like there's explosion in the buildings. I don't, I don't remember if it was like an explosion or somebody's getting thrown into the wall, but I got to like ink, like the bean cans, the beans cans in, in the seven Lebanon and, <laughs> and the brick, the bricks exploding and stuff. So I got to do like all this silly stuff on a bunch of pages. Cause my, my friend was, uh, had just become Klaus Jansen's, uh, inking assistant and close dropped these pages. And the thing is, we all knew this project was going to be the biggest project, it, you know, in the last five years, probably. And he was handing off the pages. I'm like, what are you talking about, Klaus? Yeah. What are you, why, are you, why are you handing off to your assistant who had just been with you for a week? And then he, and they <laughs> said, I need it tomorrow. And so the assistant goes, Todd, can you help me? I'm like, shit, yes, but, but like, why, are working on, why am I working on the dark night? And I was doing, at that point, I was doing Infinity Incorporated. So I was doing, I, I had a book. I was doing 25 pages. I had my own monthly book. But man, that, to me, at that point, that, like, if you would ask me at that point, what's your highlight? It would have been right now. Like, who cares? I drew 25 pages of Infinity Incorporated for five, six issues or however long I'd been on it. I go, I'm doing the beans. I'm doing the bean cans. <laughs> this is the highlight. If my mom could only see me now. So. Did you get paid? 
No. But, oh. we, but we, shoot. The, when, the payment was getting to do you're, that. When you're drunk, when you're drunk with beat them, <laughs> like, yeah. Like you'll do, you'll do stupid stuff for free. What are you talking about? Like, like yeah. it was the last thing you thought about. You're going, oh, right, right. Oh my gosh, I got to work on the book. Like, and you don't even think about the other stuff to practice. Yeah, I, I didn't show up to work today just to be here. <laughs> yeah. Todd, I'm paying. <laughs> se- Todd, they I'm don't know where seven, I am. Yeah, I'm paying seven thousand dollars right now to be here. <laughs> That's not a lie. Right now, I'm yeah, sitting at home because. Yeah, I've got some major housework going on, but I'm going to spend it because I want to talk to you. Oh, too bad we didn't do it yesterday because I thought you were going to say you have all your money in the stock market and it's crashing yesterday. And you're going, uh, oh, my God, yeah. every minute we're on, I'm losing money, Todd. Could you just <laughs> shut up? Could you shut up? i got to get home. Stop. Still the- be worth it. Still be worth <laughs> it. So this, this isn't even a question. This is just a complete personal note. So last year in Toronto, back at Fan Expo, where you and I spoke about doing this, uh, you spent so many hours signing for people. And while you were busy doing that, uh, I got to spend some time over the weekend chatting with your dad. Yeah. And I just wanted to say what a fantastic guy Bob McFarland is. Uh, exactly. Now, th- this makes me sound much cooler than I am, but at one point it was Bob, myself, and Capullo, and Bob just had us cracking up. It was mostly at your expense, but he had us just cracking up, and he's just a delightful guy and super proud of you. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I'm equally, I'm equally uh, proud of my dad, too. So he, he was a glowing example of the man I wanted to be to a point. Right. And I've, I've said before that my, my dad's a saint, uh, uh, but arguably to a fault. Um, and so I, as I was growing up, I go, I want to, I want to be like my dad, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that nice because I, <laughs> I felt when I was younger that he got taken advantage of and got pushed around just a little bit. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it led to a divorce uh, uh, in the family. Uh, and so I go, I just, I want to be as gracious and kind as my dad and lots of other people I met in the comic industry and, and other celebrities. Uh, but, uh, but I want to, I want to draw lines in the sand. And once you cross that line, then I'll go from happy go lucky Todd and I'll just go into fucking Braveheart mode. And I just like, and now, now you're, you you've crossed the line and now it's just war. Right. And I will not back down. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how big you are. You've crossed the line, and what the line is 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 from my definition, fairness, just fairness, yeah. right? We all have our lines of what we think is not being fair, and and here's here's how I describe when I'm dealing with big corporations sometimes that I think are pushing those boundaries that that you're not going to walk away from this contract, and you know we're about eighty percent through, and they start muscling you and whatever else, and and I go, no, I don't think you guys are being fair. And then that and I go here. Here's my definition of fair. It, it, I think it's simple. Being raised in Canada with, with with good mom and dad, it goes something like this: Would you take your own fucking deal? And the answer should come within seconds. The answer should come within seconds. Would you take your own deal? Of course I would, Todd. That should be their answer. Of course I would, Todd. And when you get a pregnant pause and the room goes silent, then the answer is exactly what I thought. You don't have to think about if it's fair. If it's fair, you don't. There's no thought process to it. So, so the answer is what what you guys are offering me. You wouldn't take in return. That's not a fair offer, right? So, come on, let's just let's find something in which we're equally 
getting something positive out of it, or we're equally discomforted by the deal, right? But there can't be a 80-20 or something like that, depending on what the, on what we're doing, especially if you're trying to grab something from me, right? I don't like again, I'm 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 pretty ardent. If you want if you want to make a deal with me about spawn or whatever else or whatever, like I don't care what deals you've made in the past. I don't care who you've dealt with in the past. I don't care how much money you paid for licenses in the past. It is of no consequence and it has no value to me. I'm basically, Spawn is my car and my car is right there and it's for $12,000, take it or leave it. And I don't give a shit how many cars you bought before, how much money you paid, what kind of a deal, how much you were able to basically get somebody's price down. I don't care. My car is 12,000, do you want it? And the answer can be no. We're all adults here. My mom said no to me many times. No is an answer, but we're not going to sit here and negotiate on the 12. And I don't care why you got to yes. And I don't care why you got to no. It's of no value to me. I need a yes or a no so I can move on to the next person if it's a no, or I can sell it to you if it's a yes. Because again, I, you know, people, I go into Hollywood sometimes and they go, Todd, did you like the person? And how would you like the meeting? Or what about this business meeting? And it's like, I'm Canadian, first off, I like everybody. But it's like, I don't care. <laughs> if my two choices are the nice person who says no and the asshole says yes, I'll hang out with the asshole for a while. I don't have to go out with burgers and do anything else with them. I just need to get the deal done so we can get content, so we can get this movie made that you and I are both aching for, right? I don't have to be best buds with everybody. Shoot, I need, I, I need, I need to get the movie made, done. That's my goal. Everything else is white noise. That's pretty sound advice. So, that, so you you mentioned uh, your desire to you know, that you had this goal of to a point being like your father and uh, in what you want to accomplish. Now, I I hear from people well, all the time. Not why I want to accomplish and what and how I wanted to act as a human yeah. being, as a gentleman. But I, I hear from people who have accomplished much in their lives that they still haven't reach that point where they feel like they've accomplished where, where they feel like they've they've achieved what other people have like with everything that you have accomplished the heights you've reached in comics film animation collectibles have you found yourself at the point where you were yeah, able no. to have the perspective of i've i've no, done something no, no. or do you still no, feel no, like no, struck? No. and here's why and here's why guys look at you guys look at you guys do the same thing if I was to reverse this conversation and say, tell me about your life, right? You, you, we're all just living our lives, right? And so the only time really celebrities, if you will, and I put myself into that big giant box, although, you know, on a small scale, that the only time we psychoanalyze ourselves and as to why we're doing it and what we're doing is when we get asked the question. Otherwise, we're just acting in what is normal and is natural to us, right? So we're not, we're not, we're not, I mean, at, at some point, you know, when you're doing something and you want to keep your career going and there's things that you can do to motivate that, but it's no different than people wanting to keep their day jobs and doing whatever else or be friends and keep relationships going. So, so to me, look, I still got 40, 50 years. I'm, I'm like halfway through a race. I'm not going to analyze my race till it's over. Right. And so I let other people worry about, Oh my God, you know, so far his race has been pretty good. I'll leave that to other people that are watching from the sidelines. Maybe I'm, I'm in the middle of a race still. I, I still have way too much time that I still, my best days, I still believe, 
are, are ahead of me, right? Because again, if I direct a movie and it works, then the doors are going to open and who knows, I'll have another career someplace else. Um, the, 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 piece, the piece of it that I see from a distance is when I see celebrities that don't, that are sometimes off-put a little bit by their fans. That's, that's, a, that's an odd thing to me. And maybe it's the, the, the Canadian in me. Um, that, you know, we, we know that we got big brother down across the border, but every day I think I'm scamming, you know, this 15 minutes of fame has lasted way longer than it should have. And that might just be, you know, again, like I said, might just be a little Canadian in, in me that just thinks that like, oh my God, you know, the Americans are way better. Uh, but I'm thankful for it. I'm, I know, I know, I know that each day that goes by is, is, a, is a victory on my side. And I'm completely thankful, completely thankful every single day that any human being gives me even a nickel of their hard-earned money. That, like, that, that piece never, ever escapes me. So when people, when I'm at shows and they go, oh, Todd, you're so nice, whatever, it's like, well, it's, it's weird that you say that because I think everybody should be nice regardless of who they are. Uh, but that it that it stands out. It's like, guys, maybe we're both getting something. So I get it now. It, but for a long time, it was like, I owe you guys way more than you owe me because I have a career because of you giving me your support and your money. And so, and, and my 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 kids have food in them, and they got to I got to send them to college, and I've got a house. And it's like, like I, I, I got a good life and it. I wouldn't have probably have had that life if not for those people standing in line. So every one of them, and maybe some gave me more than others. I don't know. So I treat them all equal, right? And every question that they ask, I've had plenty of people come up to me, reporters going, hey, Todd, you know, like Trekkie, you know, what's the silliest question they ask? There is no silly question. <laughs> because if it's important enough for that person to ask, it's important enough for me to answer. So it may seem silly to some of the people around them, but not to that person, right? So no, I'm going to give them a dignified answer when they ask me who's stronger, Thor or Hulk. I'm going to give them a dignified answer because they're asking because they're genuinely interested. And oh, by the way, they're in line and they're supporting me. So I get to basically do this for, I've been doing it for 35 years. Hopefully I'll get to do it for another 35 years. I love, I like, what are you talking about? I, 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 yeah, cool. I, you know, and then, and then you go to conventions and people ask you like, Todd, how's your convention going? The answer is the same. Fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> because all I do is sit in a show and I have people stand in line and say nothing but gracious things for hours upon end. How is that a burden to any human being? It's ridiculous. What do you, it's like, how, how can you not have a good con con convention? I don't know how. You can. I'm like, I'm standing here because the thing is about a convention, the lineups are so long that the enemies, and I've got plenty, that the enemies are not going to wait in line for two hours to say, I've got no book. I've been waiting in line for two hours. My bladder's about to explode. I should have had lunch, but I just wanted to wait in line for two hours to tell you I am not buying your book. I will not buy your book, and I will continue to never buy your book. Like, it's just easier to just walk on by the line and go to somebody that you like. So it's a false positive at, at, at convention. And the moment I walk out of the convention, 
I just become a normal doofus like everybody else. <laughs> and it's great because I, I almost feel like you've made yourself a little more accessible over the years, which is great for so many of the, your fans that have always wanted to meet you. And you did mention how, how important it is with fan etiquette uh, and even things you learned from Stan Lee. And now people are starting to regard you as a Stan, a Stan Lee figure in this comic book culture. What are your thoughts on that now that you're... Well, 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 I, well a couple things. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I've made myself more accessible. I think, you know, we've got these things called the internet now, and you and I, like, I'm, I, I didn't move. I'm still at my office. No, it just seems like there's been more signings and appearances and, and things no, of that nature. No, I did, I did a couple more than I normally did because we had Spawn 300 and 301, the record-setting books. I, needed, I felt like I needed to go to a couple more. But historically, I only go to a couple. And part of it was, you know, I had I had three children, my wife and I, and 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 I was, you know, a father and and a husband, and and I was busy. And I was a coach and running my businesses. Like, so it wasn't for lack of not wanting to go out and do, it was just my my days were filled, right? But but I I'd like to think that when I did go out, I I mean, people at the office will tell you I never want to go out, right? I'm like a homebody. But once I do go out, I go out with as much gusto as I possibly can, because I I enjoy being around people. On the on the stand on the stand side, the there's no comparison. It's sort of like when I talk to people about toys and they go, "Well, this is going to be our Star Wars." There is no other Star Wars. Star Star Wars is its own planet, right? And so you can't you can't start with those comparisons. Stan Lee and I've had this conversation with people. Stan Lee was such a figurehead was such an ambassador for our industry and especially given, you know, him being in all those movies and, and, and his celebrity status went with it, that when you went from him to whoever is number two, and I don't even know who that is, that it was a precipitous drop. I mean, it wasn't a little bit stand number two. It's, I think that even if you took like Greg Capullo and, and, and Jim Lee and, and, and Frank Miller and myself, and you wrapped us all together, we still combined wouldn't even get close to where Stan was, right? So there's there's a definite vacuum that's there right now because Stan, like I said, he was his own orbit. And and, it, and it's too bad because that, that, that type of person doesn't exist now in comic dumb. I, they may never, ever exist, maybe at least in our lifetime. I don't, so I think it's going to take four or five of us to sort of collectively help fill the void a little bit. And, if, and, and people say, hey, Todd, you're one of the people that are sort of next in line with a couple other people. OK, cool. It's, it's gracious. I don't know why. I'm an old man. I think we should be sort of looking at the young guys like I'm looking at right here on the screen. Look at you guys. You guys are beautiful. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, and the youth should be taking over the world and we should just be sort of nice, you know, sort of old guys from the previous generation. I don't know why I keep saying this and I keep having these conversations, especially recently in the last year. I don't know why I'm still relevant. I, it's, it's an odd and you guys can say nice things. I don't want to hear it, it, it <laughs> but I'm saying that, that it's what naturally happens in every other industry is that the is that the 30-year-old turns into 40, 50, and then the next wave of 20 and 30-year-olds come along. And they're just a little sort of cooler and slicker and faster and stronger. I don't care whether it's in, in TV, movies, uh, or sports, or whatever it is, or whether it's even at the Silicon Valley. They're just a, they're, The next generation just sort of saw what was before, and they go, I can do better, I can do better, I can do better, which 
which is how it should go. And so it's weird. It's weird to me that at my advanced age now that some of the top guys in the industry are still Jim Lee and Todd McFarlane and, and Greg Capullo. And we're, we're in our fifties. Like it's like, there should be this wave of thirties that should be the new, the new Beatles now. Right. I, it's, it's, it's sort of odd to me. It's odd to me that we're, that we get as much street cred as we are. And maybe we're getting so old that we went from being like, ah, the washed up old dude to, oh my God, they're now historic figures. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're get, we're just crossed the line and we're becoming old, old cool now. We're coming retro mm-hmm. old now. Cool. Uh, I, when I met I, Jack Kirby, I thought he was the coolest guy ever. And I met Stan Lee the first time. I thought he was the coolest guy ever. And both those guys were old guys. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, they, they had a legacy behind them. I don't know. I just, I keep, I keep looking for people to, sort of make us irrelevant films. Todd, I, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit, man. You're, you're a rock star, and with your energy, you're still no, in no, your no. prime, bro. Right. I, I, and look, at, and I appreciate all the nice stuff. I'm not <laughs> saying that we didn't have our time in the sun and we did it, but, but even rock stars, the next band comes along, right? And right. I'm going, come <clears> on, guys. Come along and knock us off the stage here. It's your turn. It's your turn. You're the youth. Come on, knock us off. Knock us off. Like, here's what I'm saying. And part of it comes from, if you had said to the 25-year-old Todd, the 25-year-old Todd, that the guy got a knock off stages in his 50s, fuck, what are you talking about? I would have done that with one arm behind my back and my eyes closed. I would have taken that, I would have taken that and gone, done, done. We were trying, we were, and not intentionally or viciously, but we were trying to knock off guys like John Byrne and George Fred. They were only 10 years ahead of us, not 20, 30. Yeah. So, Come on, come on, guys. Come on. You're not gonna let an old man show you up. Come on. Have a little <laughs> self-respect. Have a little self-respect. Yeah, that that is a, a a particular thing about this industry is that there's always going to be those people who when they go to a convention, they'll want to talk to Marv Wolfman and uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, uh, while there are also these these new guys that are writing the big stuff right now, we'll always want to see those guys that that wrote the stuff that we grew up on. Right. Yeah. But the thing is, it's interesting because because I, I keep having conversations and 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 some of the the sort of the prior you know the generation younger than me sort of go, hey Todd, give, you got some pointers, and I give some pointers, and then what 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 gets me a little bit aggravated, uh, sometimes a lot aggravated, is the fact that. After I say, hey, I think if you do a little bit of this, 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 I think it's actually 15 moves. I don't think it's one. I think it's 15 moves. And if you can get like 5% on each one of those moves, that's a pretty big move uh, from where you're at. Uh, instead of trying to do a big giant move, why don't you do like 12 little moves, right? Let me just tell you, if you ever want to lose 10 pounds on a diet, stop thinking about 10 pounds. Lose one pound 10 times. It's way easier to lose one pound mm-hmm. and then go to the next one pound. And eventually you get to 10. Stop thinking about 10. It's too big. It's too much on, uh, in, in your brain. So to me, I, I give these sort of, you know, 12, 15 steps. And then and then here's the one that gets up on my neck. So don't say it here, guys, because I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go crazy on you is then they go, wow, that was a different time. Now it was a different era, Todd. And it's, you know, it's different for you. And then, and then I, and I go, well, what about Robert Kirkman? And it's like, well, yeah, but even with Kirkman, he's now getting a little bit older and it's different. And it's like, well, what about Brian K. Vaughn? Yeah, but you know, and, and what happens is they start talking themselves out of it. Right. And so, so that, and, 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 and so my answer to all that 
is like, no, 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 I understand it was a different time, I guess. And I understand uh, that this and this and this. Although everything that I gave you, the 12 tips I gave you are all replicatable. There's nothing I, there's nothing I said that can't be done today, right, that you can't do. So I understand it's a different time and that probably you're not going to have that much success and you might not be able to get a walking dead and whatever else. Let me just sort of ask you this one sort of little weird question. Have you even fucking tried yet? <laughs> so I just like, tell me that you tried and it's not doable before you say it's not doable and you didn't try. And, and, and part of it is, this is where my DNA comes in, that it's like, I never ever thought I couldn't do anything for a day, right? I'm just that guy. I just think I can do anything. I don't care what it is, right? If you put a gun to my head and said, Todd, bake a cake better than the best chef on the planet, I'm, I, and otherwise your kid die, I think I'll, I think my kid's going to live, right? So I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get why people aren't trying to replicate what we do. Why, why is Greg Capullo the hardest working man in comic books, right? Why? It, it, like uh, anybody else can work as hard as him. They just choose not to. All right. There's not. There's not. That has nothing to do with what year it is, right? Staying on a book that has nothing to do with anything. Going to shows and being cordial to people that has nothing to do with anybody. Signing your name so it's legible that has nothing to do with anybody. You know, maybe maybe going out there and hustling a little bit. The hustle. I'm talking about the hustle part of it, not just the talent. There's way more talent in the industry right now than at any time that I've been in this business. It, and but there's a hustle that goes with it, right? Fucking, and the hustle is not unique to the year that we're in. I, I'd argue it's easy to hustle because you've got social media and stuff. I, you, I can hit a button, send one image of Spawn Spidey on my internet, and I'm going to touch more people than I would touch in in ten years worth of going to conventions. Anyways, that's it. I'm done. I'm done ranting. I just want to <laughs> knocked off the. I just. I'm not begging you. Somebody knock me off the stage. Come on. <laughs> Come on. It's hard because well, I think uh, another <clears throat> excuse me, another aspect of it is you specifically are in the business of creating things for people for new generations as they come out. So with the toys, you know, um, with that kind of stuff, like, you know, I feel like with collectors, we we stay with it. But, you know, new kids hop on every every year. Oh. New new kids who who get to touch and play with the stuff you make learn about you and they become your fan and kind of stick with it, you know? Right. So make no mistake. I'm not going to get out of the way and get knocked off willingly. Like, <laughs> make, make no mistake about that. I am going to fight to the end. I'm just saying that there is no race in which the leader of any race, I don't care if it's business career or an actual physical race where the person in front will ever basically slow down so the person behind them can beat them. That will and never. They shouldn't. That will never happen. So, so th that it's on you. It's incumbent on you to say that I'm going to have to work twice as hard then to go to go get past that. To go. To go. To go. Uh, yes. Okay. That's good. All that's going to be good. All that'll be good for you in the long run. So, go, 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 go. And if you don't, because look at here's what I here's what I I, I used to do. I used to get up on, on the stage uh, when I did the odd show and I would give the speech, right? Come on, you guys are good, you're great, you can do it. Here's the 20 reasons why you should do it. And then I've actually modified it recently. You know how it goes now? Because I, I usually got an hour up on, up on stage. Half an hour is that speech, right? You can do it 
come on, I love the youth. Go, 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 go. And then, and that's the dad Todd. That's dad, you know, Todd father talking over on one side. Then I walk over to the other side of the state. I go, good. Now I'm going to give you the other, the other side. And this is Todd, the businessman who's a little, he's a little more selfish. I hope you don't do anything that I just told you in the last half hour. Because then I won't have to compete with you. I won't have to get better. I won't have to get faster. Nothing. Because I will have no competition. So make my job easy and don't do anything that I just said. Right? <laughs> if it was me, I'd listen to Todd the dad over there. And I'd go, shit, old man. Like, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Right? I don't know. It's weird to me. It's weird to me that, that I've said before that you can be the 10th best artist in a room, which is me. And... Somebody walks in and I'm going to get the job and I'm going to get the street cred and I'm going to get more attention than anybody else. And you know why? Because I'm the best artist? No, I just told you I'm the 10th best artist. Because when they asked for the work and they said it's going to be a little bit hard, I was the only one that raised his hand. Mm. And I went, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And the other nine people didn't do it. So, so sometimes you can just get halfway there by raising your hand. You don't even have to have the skill set. Just by raising your hand saying, I'll do it, we'll get you halfway there. And then if you've got any skills or you can learn the skills along the way, which is what I did, then all of a sudden you, you get to this point where you go, wow, he's a hustler and he's got some skill set. Not a bad combo. Not a bad combo. So, but I don't know. I like, please, please keep talking yourselves out of it that, that you, can't, you can't be the next uh, Robert Kirkman, Stan Lee or Todd McFarlane, Frank Miller. Please, please keep saying that to yourself. So. <laughs> I have a question about um, your the new DC toy line. Do you think at any point you'll have like your own specific design line, like from <laughs> Batman or uh, Reaper from Year Two? You're thinking just like I'm thinking. God bless you. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, that's when when I, the news first came out that McFarlane's taking over DZ Toys. My mind instantly went to Year Two, and yeah. I was like, I want yeah. Reaper. I want. Yeah, here's here's what you did. You made the same leap that I made, which is which is you went, oh my gosh, they got McFarlane. I wonder if he's going to do McFarlane stuff, right? Yes. Like yes. like I don't know. It seemed like an obvious one, right? So. I, here's what here's here here's my answer without knowing because you know I'm dealing with big uh, company there. I think that slowly the answer will be yes. Cool. I'm already starting to see it that at the beginning we we had to just graciously enter the fray and I I had to show them what I was capable of doing and 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 but now we've got some of the toys out and there's some data out right and the data right now is saying that my three biggest selling toys is the the joker who laughs so it's like non-traditional or the batman who laughs excuse me so non-traditional look and then but but the two that are selling even better than that is the superman in armor and the batman in armor oh uh, man yeah oh yeah giant. and both of those although they've been in the comic books one had been on a couple pages and one had been in literally the superman one in a couple panels right so people aren't buying those because they're popular characters or popular comic books. They're just buying them because they're just cool looking. They look cool. And so I keep saying to them, I will never, and Jim Lee knows this, I will never draw a page for you for your comic book. I'm never coming through the, <laughs> I'm never coming through the front door. But if you just let me go crazy, I'll create a bunch of cool stuff. And because of my contract, you guys would end up having the rights to those designs that you could then put in your comic book. So you could do a backdoor Todd McFarlane in a weird way, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, because if I came in the front door on paper, you'd let me do it all day long. As a matter of fact, you'd encourage me to do it all day long, or at least DC would. Uh, but if I do it in plastic, there seems to be a bit of a hesitation. I don't like, and so I think they're starting to tune into that a little bit. So I think that they're going to let me McFarlandize a little bit more as time goes by. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you guys showed off uh, at Toy Fair. Um, a line of white knight figures, which is the first time in action figures those have come out, yep. as well as you're the first one to do a Batman Who Laughs figure, and you're the first one to do the white knight lines of figures. Is that something that they said, hey, we want you to take a crack at it, um, specifically these lines? Because like people have been kind of waiting for those specific figures, and the fact that you put it out. And number, like I remember seeing the this an Azrael, it's a Joker in the GCPD suit, Batman. Those look amazing, by the way. Yeah, they do. They, they, I, and I hope they do well because because not not necessarily because it's, you know, Murphy's uh, look, but because it's a stylized look. And once once you get away from having to do a actor's likeness, right. then to me, then the canvas is blank. Right. Because these characters have been around for 70 years and I have access to that entire library. Uh, so to me, it's like, oh, if I can do stylized stuff that people will buy. A la the the um, the the armored Superman and armored Batman, then not only can I dig deep into the realms of their seventy-year vault, but I might be able to just come up with some crazy stuff too. But there's all you know. There's another company out there called Spin Masters doing some toys too, and 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 part of the conversation, the ongoing conversation, is how do we how do we differentiate ourselves from each other, given that we're both in the toy aisle, right? And and I think the re- the easy answer is, you know, they do the sort of the classic stuff, you know, the, the stuff that, that all of us need to have out there because it should it, that stuff should always be out there for a certain age group to always be wanting to buy. And then and then you should let me then do the stuff that is non-classic, non-traditional. Right. Let them do traditional classic. Let me do the non-stuff like the non-traditional stuff. And then you'll have a differentiation, and then you just let the consumer who's walking by then pick pick whatever it is that, again, just like a buffet, just put on their plate whatever it is they want. I think the older people are probably going to take some of the stuff that's a little cooler in some cases, like the Batman and Laughs, a little gnarlier. Uh, and then the, the more classic stuff is probably going to be stuff that you can sell to the six, seven, eight-year-old. And all of it has a value. All of it has a value and then we're not tripping over each other doing the same characters, right? And we're giving more options to you and the, and the fan base in general. So uh, I, I, let me tell you that I know what's coming down the pipeline, and it's and it's it's, it's getting pretty cool looking, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like I got some stuff coming out at Christmas that's going to be, I mean, it, it's by far the coolest stuff that we've done with the DC stuff for sure. You can pop that in my DMs, and we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> uh, well, I think uh, we have taken up way more time than you had actually allotted for us today. Uh, so we want to apologize for keeping you longer than we were supposed to. But thank you so much for your time, Todd. We really appreciate this. And uh, maybe, hopefully, uh, we can have you back another day. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, uh, you know, the... The, the big the big news would be like I said at some point this year hopefully I get I get my movie off the ground and then and then nice. we'll have something really big because now we'll be able to break out of just talking you know about you know this sort of group of comic book collectors toy collectors once you start talking about TV and movies 
that includes almost everybody in your family now, right? So, yeah. uh, and 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 all of a sudden they're like, I don't, I don't care about those other conversations, but what you met Jamie Foxx? Oh my gosh, you met James <laughs> Cameron? Oh my gosh! All of a sudden, you know, then they they give you credit because you're you're starting to use words that they know about. Uh, so so we'll see. Uh, I'm 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 hoping for something positive here in the next couple months. So outstanding. Right. We hope so too. We want it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, great. I'm getting, I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I hope you uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and good luck with uh, all of the meetings that you have coming up for the movie and for everything else. Thank you so much yeah, for taking so the time much, to join uh, us. And I've got to work on Spawn 307 today. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Legend. Hey, everybody. This is Todd McFarlane, creator of Spawn and co-creator of Venom, and you're listening to Backforce. Hey, Gotham Dwellers. Make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.